Last week, we celebrated Easter. Today, we're continuing our look at the third day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what was actually performed, what was actually accomplished, and why it means so much to us today. Won't you take the time to join us for the next half hour? Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, coming up next here on KFAX. Many Easter happens one day out of the year. We all dress up, we go to church, come home, hide eggs, and look for them, and enjoy the kids as they romp around the grass. Fact is, Easter impacts our lives 24-7, every moment of every day. Easter is something that needs to be a first and foremost in our lives. Here to tell us more about it and the third day, Pastor Steve Converse with this edition of Graceful Truth. See, that's what we mean when we say that on the third day he rose from the dead. It wasn't some figment of somebody's imagination. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 1. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Well, what is that, Paul? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive at the time of this writing. Though some have died, some have fallen asleep. Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, Paul says, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Here is someone who was so affected by the resurrection of Christ that before Christ came into his life, he was out there killing, murdering Christians as part of his, what he thought, his religious duty as a Pharisee to squash out this Christian faith. And God personally allowed Christ to come back and make a personal appearance to him on the road to Damascus. We read of that story where he was struck blind and, and the risen Lord appeared to him. That's why it's important to understand that there are no apostles today as far as the office of apostle goes. Paul was basically the last one. Verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. He's not making it a personal issue here. He's saying God just chose to lavish his grace upon me. I didn't deserve it. I was actually killing Christians before I was a Christian. That's what Paul's saying. Verse 12, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... 
How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, look at the consequences, then not even Christ has been raised. See, there was some teaching going around in the early religious days of the church saying, oh, there's no such thing as resurrection. What are you talking about? The Sadducees were one of the groups that purported such a teaching. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And if Christ had not been raised... Verse 14, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Why does it matter? Let me tell you, first of all, it matters because that's what the Bible teaches. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a real theological teaching that occurs in the pages of Scripture. There's no confusion on that point. Everything in the gospel records, everything in the book of Acts, everything in the epistles is in perfect harmony with the simple point. Jesus died and then he rose on the third day. It's what the Bible teaches. Secondly, this is what really happened. If you'd been there on Sunday morning, you would have seen the empty tomb. This isn't a story made up by a bunch of people. If you had been with the disciples, you would have seen Jesus alive from the dead. Like Thomas, you could have taken your fingers and put them into the wounds in his side. It's what really happened. And this is what the church has always believed. This isn't some newfounded truth. The resurrection of Christ has always been a fundamental truth of Christian doctrine. It's one part of that tiny handful of things that's always been believed by all Christians everywhere. And it's what unites Christian denominations, big and small, together around that truth. I'd be as bold to say as if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, then you're not a Christian. Period. You've placed yourself outside the boundaries of Orthodox Christianity. If you don't truly believe it, you're not a Christian at all. Fourthly, this is the church's message. If you read through the book of Acts over and over and over, study the sermons of, of Peter and Paul. The climax was not that Jesus was crucified. That's not the climax of the story. I mean, that's part of the story. And that's what breaks your heart when you see so much emphasis on the death of our Lord and Savior. And yet they leave out the most important part. The very fact that he is risen from the dead, victorious over sin and death. See, that's the message that turned the world upside down. Not the fact that Jesus died on a cross. There was thousands of people that died on a cross. They weren't perfect like Christ, but they died. Nothing like this has ever happened before, beloved. See, we don't worship a dead Jesus. That's why on our cross there's no crucifix. There's no Christ hanging on the cross as there is in some churches. I think that's blasphemous to the gospel message. We don't serve a dead Christ. We serve a risen Lord. Amen? Amen. The Son of God has come back from the dead. Scripture says that Jesus, Jesus was crucified once for all. And our cross is empty to remind us that though he died, he did not stay dead. Well, what if it didn't happen? See, in the early church, some of the believers were confused whether their loved ones who uh, died and were buried, what about them? Eventually, this, this belief spread that Christians who had died would not be raised from the dead. 
And Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians 15. And he reminds his readers that the resurrection of believers depends on whether or not Jesus himself was risen from the dead. I mean, when we stand at the graveside of a loved one, it's very easy to become overwhelmed with the power of death. It's an awful power. It's not unusual to wonder, are we ever going to see this person again? No one that I know has ever come back from the dead legitimately. Some people, well, maybe there's no resurrection after all. See, Paul does not rebuke the Corinthians for their fears and their doubts. He's not rebuking them for that. Nor does he try to prove the resurrection of the dead in some detailed argument. He doesn't go into that if you read through the text. He points to these these errant believers back to the empty tomb. And he says, remember that God raised his son. Everything hinges on that. That's the emphasis here of 1 Corinthians 15. And then for a few verses here, he says, well, what if Christ had not been risen from the dead? Well, first of all, he says in verse 17, our faith is futile. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's worthless. And you are still in your sins. When Billy Graham was just beginning to rise in popularity as a preacher in the 1940s, there was another young evangelist who became well-known at the same time. And many people thought that he was even better than Billy Graham. His name was Charles Templeton. And he and Billy Graham spoke together at a Youth for Christ uh, rallies all, all across this nation, Great Britain. And Charles Templeton, was, he was a very gifted preacher. He was brilliant, he was articulate, he was polished. And he was a very powerful preacher of the gospel of Christ. In the years following World War II, Templeton and Graham began to move in different directions. Templeton became enamored with all the liberal theology that began to rise up. And he began to question many aspects of the Christian faith. And at one point he told Billy Graham to get his nose out of the Bible or else he'd never be able to connect to the people of the world. Templeton attended a very liberal seminary. He pastored in Canada for a couple years and eventually he grew up in his... He gave up his Christian faith altogether. Later he became the host of a late night talk show that made him basically the Johnny Carson of Canada. In his later years, he attacked the evangelical faith that he once preached. At one point, he published a novel called Act of God that was built on the premise that the bones of Jesus had been discovered in the Holy Land, but the Catholic Church covered up the story because they knew it would destroy Christianity. Toward the end of his life, he died, clearly, Templeton was interviewed by Lee Strobel before he met his fate. And you can find that interview in The Case of Faith. And the book makes clear that despite some regret, he never gave up his skeptical unbelief. See, he understood exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying. Templeton did. If Christ is not risen from the dead, then the Christian faith collapses like a deck of cards. Our faith is futile. And then it says there in verse 17 that we're still in our sin. 
Heard a guy pray one time, Lord Jesus, if you didn't rise from the dead, at least we know our sins are forgiven. No, they're not. (laughs) Sorry. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you still owe a big debt of sin. That's the exact opposite of what Paul says. There is no forgiveness if Christ hadn't risen from the dead, and we are eternally lost if Christ is still in the tomb. That's why our our Christian faith hinges on the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Thirdly, we'll never see our loved ones again if Christ hadn't risen from the dead. Verse 18 said, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Christ hadn't risen from the dead. They're not going to be raised from the dead. And you know what? Death has won its final victory if Christ did not rise. And then verse 19, I like what Paul says. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only... We are of all people most to be pitied. Christ hadn't risen from the dead, man. We just have pity on us because that's all we got. I hear some people saying, even when they're sharing Christ in evangelism, well, even if Christianity isn't true, it's still the best way to live. No, it's not. That's ridiculous. I mean, if if Christ didn't rise from the dead and Christianity isn't true, (laughs) let's give all this stuff up. Let's give up all our, quote, religion and go jump in the world with everything it has to offer. Because it doesn't matter. Makes no difference whatsoever at that point. Why would anyone want to believe in a Christian faith where its leader, its founder, Christ, the very foundation of the faith, is a liar? Said he was going to raise on the third day. If he didn't do it, well, that makes him a liar. Makes him a scam artist is what it makes him. Jesus didn't rise on the third day, then the hallelujah chorus is just another piece of music. (laughs) Doesn't mean anything. Nice to listen to, but it's not based on any truth. If Jesus did not rise, then our prayers are empty. Our preaching is in vain. Our missionary work is useless. The church itself is in danger because it stands for something that's not even true. (laughs) If Jesus is still in the grave, then we're... Just talking nonsense. Be better to go talk about Easter bunnies and chocolate eggs. I mean, that's what Paul is saying here. It all hangs on that little word, if. If Jesus did not rise from the dead. But what if he did? (laughs) What if he did? What if he really is who he said he was? What if on the third day he really did rise from the dead? And when they really went to that tomb... That the stone was removed and there was no body there. And then he really did show himself to over 500 people. And the apostles and the disciples and the women. What if all that is true? What difference does it make? Well, Paul states the negative And then he positively asserts this positive truth in verse 20. But, he says in verse 20... But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Well, what does that mean? What difference does it make? Just reverse the order. Our faith has meaning then, beloved. We do have forgiveness of our sin through Christ. We will see our loved ones who died in Christ one day. And we can definitely be certain about our own future because... The, the word of God clearly is true. There's hope for the hopeless. 
That light shines from heaven in the midst of the dark corners of the world. And now we can say to anyone, if you come to Christ, if you commit your life to Christ, if you humble yourself, admit your sin and your wickedness, and come humbly before a holy God and claim the work of Christ on Calvary as your own, hold on to it. Turn from your sin and turn to the Savior. He will not turn you away. No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. Look at the Apostle Paul. I mean, he was a guy that went out and, and murdered Christians in religion's, religious name, in his own religion's name. That's why he did it. Thought he was doing the right thing, squashing out this Christian faith. And yet Christ saved even someone like that. No one is ever beyond the reach of God's grace. Whatever your sin might be, no matter where you've been or what you've done, I'm here to tell you, beloved, that the blood of Jesus Christ can forgive you. He can wash you clean in one great moment of transformation, as only He can do. And heaven now can become as real as death, which in Christ has lost its victory. See, we still die as Christians. But you know what? We don't stay dead. And there's good news. Because Jesus has come back from the dead. You might be here this morning and say, Well, don't you ever doubt this stuff? Don't you ever wonder if this is really true? You know, I, I don't talk about it much. But I'll be open and frank. I doubt every day. I doubt things every day. I don't know how a person could be a Christian and not have doubts from time to time. See, if we don't have doubts, then what does our faith mean? Faith requires doubt in order to be faith. See, if you ever arrive at a place where all your doubts are gone, I think that place is called heaven. (laughs) We're not there yet, right? On earth, doubts abound in your heart as in mine. Some people feel guilty about doubting. I thank God for my doubts because it keeps me dependent on Him. Been in ministry for several years, done several memorials and funerals for loved ones in the church, loved ones in my family. And I'm here to tell you, it never gets easier. It never gets easier. I mean, I'm the kind of person that emotionally I can hold it together, usually. Get through it. But you don't see what's going on inside. I think the hardest part of that whole process of doing a a funeral service for somebody, frankly... It's not the church service. It's not that. It's when you're out there at the graveside with the family and you're walking away from a body that is in the ground. It's cold. It's dead. It's not coming back. There's, there's a finality there that just weighs heavy on your soul. Now, I understand the truth that, hey, be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. I get that. 
And I, I, I believe that simply by faith. But when I see someone being buried in the ground, realizing that, you know what, this is going to happen to all of us pending the Lord's return. I'm so glad that the resurrection doesn't depend on my words. <laughs> because my words have no power whatsoever to raise the dead. Matter of fact, I can faithfully say everyone that I've buried is still in their grave. They're still there. Still waiting for that first resurrection. Well, where do we find hope then in the face of death? Where do we find it? We find it in the risen Lord. We find it in a God who's intimate with his creation. He's not a God who's off somewhere, created us and let us go. No, the Bible says that he he desires to know you. And for you to know him, more importantly, he already knows you. He knows everything about you. The color of your eyes, the color of your hair. How many hairs you have on your head. He knows everything about We serve an all-knowing God. But he wants you to know him, not just in a, yeah, I know God exists way, in a personal way. And that's why he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for payment for our sin. Because he cares. He loves you. He doesn't want you to go into an eternity where you'll be faced with the judgment of God in a place called hell that really does exist. Hell is not a place where you go to party with your friends, beloved. Hell is a place where you, are, you come under the, the holy, righteous judgment and wrath of God forevermore for your sin because you weren't willing to take his offer of grace through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that's the one truth that keeps those doubts at bay. Our faith rests on what happened in that garden tomb in Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. If Jesus rose from the dead, then we're on the winning side, right? Death has no has had a field day for a long time in this world. Lots of people go to cemeteries and no one ever comes out. No one except Christ. I pray that you will find hope in the risen Savior. You can go to all the tombs of the founders of the great world religions. Mohammed, if you go to his grave, here. Buddha, here. Confucius, here. Moses, here. Jesus Christ, no answer. Because he's not there. He's not in the grave. The tomb is empty. He is risen just as he said. And that's why in the early church, that's how they used to greet one another in their services. They would say, he is risen. And the response is, he is risen indeed. Let's try that. He is risen. Amen. And we can stake our lives upon it. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. 
and we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Mm-hmm.